Well, welcome again to our open house. Uh, some of you were invited by a member of our church. Uh, maybe you are a family from our preschool. Uh, you, maybe you heard about us through Facebook or saw one of the posters that we put up in the community. And however you found out about us, uh, we are really glad that you came. Make yourself at home. Uh, I personally did not grow up in the church. I didn't become a Christian until my late 20s. Uh, I came from a Buddhist family. Um, and I know what it is like to walk into a church for the first time and not know anybody and not know the songs and not know much about uh, the Bible. Um, and the people that welcomed me into the church were so incredibly friendly and patient and they didn't pressure me. They gave me lots of time uh, to explore who Jesus is and we would like to do the same for you. We just concluded a campaign called Love Where You Live. Uh, we believe that God put our church in Monterey Park for a reason, and so we want to be a blessing. Uh, Jesus taught that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, um, and also to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that means you, because you are our neighbors. Uh, we want to be the best neighbors that we can be. We want to help our community thrive. Now, back in January, we asked um, all of our church members to form groups of about 8 to 12 people, we call them community groups, and to spend six weeks uh, getting to know their, the communities that they live in and think of creative ways to let people know that we care. We said, let's love our neighbors right where we live. And now, six weeks later, we have hundreds of, of encounters that we've had with neighbors in our community, dozens and dozens of stories and hundreds of pictures of the friends that we've made and the lives that we've touched. And it, it has been so fun. And some, some of our local uh, favorite moments, um, I won't go into everyone there, that's just a few of the hundreds of pictures that we have. Um, one group went to a local park and they set up a, a table with free coffee and snacks and doggy treats because at this park, People like to walk their dog there, and so we would have a little bowl of water and some doggy treats, and it allowed us to have some really good conversations with, uh, with the people around us. Uh, our Monterey Park Christian School visited a nursing home, Atherton, uh, and, uh, and just encouraged them by singing and, and, and uh, entertaining uh, the older folks. I heard of a group just yesterday uh, that had an 80-year-old neighbor living down the street uh, who had trouble uh, because his tree was overgrown and it was going to it was like a danger to his property and some of our men just went and they they trimmed it and they uh, they just loved on on that that gentleman it was really awesome uh, some of our uh, church members attended a, a recent uh, Monterey Park City Council meeting just to find out what's going on in the city it just so happened that night that the council uh, passed a resolution. Uh, uh, um, declaring that, that we are going to protect and preserve all the rights of everybody uh, who lives within our jurisdiction, which I thought was an important thing to say. Uh, at Joanne Foon's home the other day, they had an Oscar party, which I thought was a lot of fun. And um, did everybody watch the Oscars? And that last moment when the you know they had the wrong, oh my gosh! Um, and so uh, that was a great way to get to know your neighbors. Just invite them over for an Oscar party. Um, and probably one of the most touching um, times of our, of our campaign was uh, not last Monday, but the Monday before that, there was um, uh, a group visited the police department in La Habra. We've also visited Monterey Park PD and uh, Montebello PD, local PD. But uh, in La Habra, a group went there and uh, they brought by a whole bunch of 
a delicious like pizza and sandwiches and good things and prayed for the officers before they went on patrol. Now the reason this was so um, moving was because just a couple hours before that, a police officer in Whittier was killed in the line of duty. And of course, um, you know uh, our, our officers here, when that happens anywhere in our area, it's on everybody's mind. And it's very difficult, very, very difficult. And just at the right time for our people to be there and encourage them, say thank you for doing what you do. Can we pray for your safety? I think went a long way. Um, so we've had a lot of fun getting to know our community. And today, we have invited our community to get to know us. So if you're a guest with us today, today is for you. Uh, we, uh, we want to tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do and why we do it. Um, but first, I want to share the gospel. The gospel. Um, now that is a word that comes from the Bible. Um, and it literally means good news. Gospel just means good news. And Jesus tells his followers to share the gospel, to share this good news wherever they go, to whomever will listen, to anyone who wonders, why are we here? Um, to anybody who might be interested in spiritual things. To anyone who could use a bit of good news. And so what I'm going to share is actually uh, pretty radical. And when you hear it, you might think to yourself, I didn't know that that's what Christianity was about. And that is because we Christians often put so much emphasis on one part, one part of the gospel. And we miss the bigger picture of who Jesus is and what he came to do. So we share part of the gospel, um, but not the whole gospel. And the words I'm going to share with you today come straight out of the mouth of Jesus. And they are at the core of our message and our mission. Now, for many people, the uh, message of Christianity goes something like this. We are all broken. We are all flawed. We are all sinful people. Now, that is not to say that we are all just terrible, horrible human beings. That's not what that means. But we have all said and done things that go against God's desires for humanity. And none of us are truly innocent. And the Christian message tells us that that sin has separated us from God and from each other. And the message that you may have heard is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to live among us and lived a sinless life and died for my sins and your sins on the cross. And if you trust in him, if you believe in him, your sins will be forgiven and you will go to heaven. And this is what many people think of when they think of the gospel, um, a word that means good news. Now, this is definitely good news. It's good news. It's beautiful news. All of us wonder what happens when we die. Death will come for every person. And we need to know that there is hope for life after death. I have done so many funerals, I've lost count. And we need to know that there is life after death. It's an important part of the story of Jesus and the message of the church. But what you might not know is that this is not the actual gospel or good news that Jesus was famous for announcing 
wherever he went. That's not actually the gospel that Jesus was famous for. It's part of the gospel, but it's not the whole gospel. And it is not the gospel, the good news that Jesus, wherever he went, would preach. This is what he preached. And we find this in Mark 1. Uh, Mark chapter 1. Mark is one, one of the four gospels, uh, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, that tell us uh, about the story of Jesus directly, his life. Uh, and we read that in the beginning of his ministry, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news. And this is the gospel. This is where everywhere he went. He said this, and this is what he said. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news, the gospel. Everywhere Jesus went, this is what he was famous for. He would walk into a town and he would say, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. Now, if you heard somebody say that, you might think that what they're talking about is, the end is near, it's Armageddon, be afraid, right? But Jesus says this is good news. And here's why. This was the time of the Roman Empire. And uh, in those days, when the Romans conquered a new land in the name of their emperor, Caesar, who they called the Son of God, they would kill all the men, they would rape all the women, they would destroy all the homes, and then they would parade through the land announcing the good news, the gospel, of the latest victory of Caesar, the gospel according to Caesar. Another land conquered for their god, Caesar. Caesar's enemies have been killed. And this was the gospel that they would announce. And then here comes Jesus with this radical message, a new gospel. And he says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this gospel, this good news. Now, these were dangerous words, dangerous words. They made Jesus an enemy of the state. And people would have heard his words and gasped in shock because not only did Jesus say that God's kingdom had come near, he referred to God as his father. And so Jesus was claiming to be the Son of God. Not Caesar, but Jesus. He, Jesus, was the king of this kingdom. And everywhere Jesus went, he preached the same message. And he talked about the kingdom of heaven all the time. And he said it was near, it was close. It's here right now, right in front of you, it's here. He was saying the world is about to change. God is doing something new, get ready. Because this is the thing, you see, Jesus didn't come so that we could go to heaven one day. He came to bring heaven to us now, today. The gospel is not just that there is life after death. The gospel is that there is life before death. On one occasion, he said to his disciples, I have come that you might have life. And have it to the full. In Revelation 21.5, Jesus says, Behold, I'm making all things new. All things new. 
Now, this is good news. Because imagine if the message of Jesus was this, if it went something like this. Life is really terrible here on earth. Sin, violence, greed, pain, death. It's a mess. But just hang on tight. Just believe in me. And when you die, I'm going to whisk you away to a better place. In the meantime, good luck. Good luck. I'll see you in 40 or 50 years. All right? Or maybe for some of you next week, because you never know. All right? Just saying. No, the gospel is so much better than that. Jesus has plans for us, the world we live in right now. And Jesus told us all kinds of stories to describe what the kingdom of God was going to look like. And he told us these stories for two reasons. Number one, to give us something to look forward to. One day, Jesus is going to usher in the kingdom of God in all its glory, and the world is going to be completely transformed. We won't even recognize it. No more injustice, no more hate, no more division, no more racism or fear or misogyny or prejudice. I'm sorry, officers, but you're going to be out of a job because there won't be any crime anymore, right? I think they said hallelujah. (laughs) The Bible describes the kingdom of God, a kingdom of heaven, as, as a holy city descending out of the clouds. And that our bodies are going to be transformed and the whole world along with it. In other words, heaven is coming here. Heaven is not somewhere where we go off to. It's coming here. And this earth will still be our home, but it will be different. It will be new. So that's the first reason Jesus told us these stories, to give us something to look forward to. But secondly, he told us these stories so that we would know what to look for. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is near, it's close, it's it's breaking through in our midst. It's like this wall that's beginning to crack, and you can see light pouring in from the other side. And he tells us what the kingdom of God looks like so, so that we know, we'll know the signs. But more importantly, Jesus is inviting us to help people see this kingdom. Once Jesus' uh, disciples asked them to teach, teach them how to pray, and Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Do you guys remember? He said, our Father, which, by the way, was radical. Jesus is telling you, you can call God Father too. Not the Godfather, but you can call God, comma, Father too. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed, be your name. You are holy. You are, there's no one like you. Hallowed be your name. And then he says, your kingdom come. That's the first thing that we're supposed to ask for. More than anything else, more than like extra money and all of that kind of things and healing for yourself. He just said, your kingdom come. That's the first thing you should always be praying for is that God's kingdom would come. And then he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, how do you do that? How do we see God's kingdom come? By doing his will here, the way that it would be in heaven. In other words, to start living as if heaven is here right now. And we are in full relationship with God. That's heaven. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just a place with like gold lined streets or anything like that. The kingdom of God is anywhere where people are fully surrendered to God and in life-giving relationship with him. And they do. We live the way he, he intended us to live. That's heaven. That's the kingdom of heaven. 
So he tells us to, to address God as Father, to praise his name. The first thing we're told to pray for is for God's kingdom to come. And then we're told what that means, what that looks like. For us to experience God's kingdom, we have to do God's will on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God must be acknowledged as king. You don't have a kingdom if you don't have people who will acknowledge the king. That is what that means. And so God says in his kingdom, here's how that plays out in our lives. God says in his kingdom that there is going to be no more sickness and no more pain and no more death. So our job is to figure out how to make this world look more like that, right? Less pain, less sickness, less death. God says in his kingdom there's going to be no hunger or thirst or poverty. How do we make this world look more like heaven? God, uh, Jesus constantly talked about his father's kingdom to give us something to look forward to and also to work to make this world look a little bit more like that, to give people a glimpse of that. So everything that we do that gives people a better idea of what heaven is going to look like, God is pleased with that. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, when Jesus lived among us, uh, people were constantly amazed by his teachings. They would, they would flock to him. A lot of them would go um, to be healed or, or to ask him questions. But most of the time, people went to him for his teaching. Because they went, I, I've never heard words so powerful and so true. This man speaks for God. And they had questions about how to interpret the, the scriptures or how to properly obey the law of Moses in the Old Testament. People had questions about who Jesus was and, and what he came to. And people came to, him to ask for healing. But it soon became apparent that Jesus was no ordinary teacher. He was the Messiah. And then when people figured out, I think he's the Messiah, then they would ask two things. First, they would ask, how can I be saved? How can I be saved? How can I be rescued? How can I be made whole from this darkness, from, this, from my own sins? How can I be saved from all of that? Because, man, I need saving. And then the other question they would ask is, this kingdom you keep talking about, how do I get into that kingdom? How do I enter the kingdom? Now, you see, what, what they discovered in Jesus' answers were that these were not two different questions. These are the same question. It's the same question. And this is how Jesus answered them. He said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. For us to be part of what God is doing, we must accept that we need to change. Now, I've met some people that are open-minded and they're open to change. And some people are not. Their hearts are closed. They're just not interested in changing. Those people, Jesus says, will never see the kingdom. Right? So what kind of person are you? Right? And then Jesus says, and, and this is kind of the same idea. In another instance, he says, Truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now that's another way of saying change, but it's a more complete way of saying change. In other words, you're not just like adding a wing onto your house, right? That's like an upgrade. You're saying, no, you have to be born again. In other words, you have to take the whole thing down and build, about, build up again from the foundation. You must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. Do you see how Jesus is not talking about going to heaven, right? He's talking about the kingdom. It's different. 
It's different. He also would say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, hey, Jesus, I know you. Not everyone who says that is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There has to be follow-through. If we say we're going to follow Jesus, that has to mean something, right? So if you think that, that entering the kingdom of heaven is a simple matter of, I'm just going to pray a prayer and then I've got my free ticket and I can just go live in my life the way that I used to live. I don't have to change. I don't have to do what God says. I prayed the prayer. I said it. I signed on the dotted line. I'm good, right? And Jesus says, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You have to commit, right? And so... This, knowing all of that, now we understand when Jesus says the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, he says, repent and believe this good news. Now, when he says repent, what does that word mean? That word literally means to change. It means to change direction. It means to stop going this way and to turn around and start going towards Jesus. That's what repent means. And believe is not something you do in your head, right? So if I were to say, I believe that this, that this uh, juice here is safe to drink. And somebody says, well, why don't you drink it? So I'm drinking that. Do I believe it? No, right? How do you know I believe it? I drink it. I follow through. So repent and believe this good news. He's not talking about in your head. He's talking about believing and trusting with your life. Right? Believe. Um, this now is what we typically think of when we think of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. John 3.16, you've probably maybe heard this verse at some point. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, remember this is not just in your head, but whoever commits and follows and trusts in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, that word life, that word life, Zoe, Right? does not mean um, heaven. It means everything that God has for you, you will experience in all its fullness and all its wholeness. And anyone who trusts in Jesus will have these things. Jesus says, I am the gate, and whoever enters into the kingdom through me will be saved, will be made whole. That word saved means to be made whole, to be restored. Jesus once described the kingdom of heaven like a king who prepared a great banquet for all of his sons. And this image is repeated a number of times in the New Testament. In other words, the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like a party. I just went to a wedding last night, and I love weddings. I love parties, right? The point of a party is what? To celebrate. The point of a party is to party, right? is to celebrate something. Now we throw a party. Usually we don't throw a party without a reason, although that'd be a pretty cool thing to do, right? Just because. But most of the time, we, we hold parties to celebrate something, like uh, in, in honor of somebody, maybe a, a birthday or a, a wedding or an anniversary or a graduation party or a retirement party. A couple of years ago, we had a 65th anniversary banquet for our church because that was the year that we were actually incorporated as a church. Um, and so when Jesus comes to establish his kingdom, there is going to be a party like the world has never seen what are we going to be celebrating? Do you know?
What are we going to be celebrating? What's, what is the occasion of this party? Well, the Bible teaches that God created angels in addition to humans. And the function of angels is to exalt God and proclaim His glory. Sometimes they are His messengers. We're told that sometimes they wage war against evil. But one of the things that angels do is they point. They point to what is most important. They announce what we are supposed to celebrate. And there are five times, five things in the Bible that we are told that the angels rejoice over. Do you know what those things are? Five things that the angels will stop what they're doing and just, just throw a party, right? Throw a party. Now, why is that important? It's because that tells us what we are supposed to celebrate. What we're supposed to celebrate as human beings, as God's children, as, as his, made in his image. And so here are the five things. First of all, creation. We are, the, we are told that when God spoke the universe into being, when he created the heavens and earth, in Job 38, 7, we read this, Who laid the cornerstone of the world while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? So when God created the universe, the angels were like... This is the best thing we've ever seen. It's awesome, right? But it gets better. After that, the second thing that we read about them rejoicing over is what we call the incarnation, the birth of Jesus. Luke 2, 13 says that when Jesus was born, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, and they praised God, and they said, Glory to God in highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. That was on the same par as the creation of the universe was Jesus coming into the world. Right? And by the way, Revelation gives us a number for how many angels they are, and I believe that it's, um, it's symbolic. But we're told in Revelation that the numbers, the number, the, the, the angels number 10,000 times 10,000. Now, quick, students, what is that? What's 10,000 times 10,000? What's that? A billion? Close. One zero too many. 100 million, at least, right? That's one way of saying a lot, right? A hundred million angels burst out singing when Jesus was born. The third, now this will blow your mind. The third thing is whenever someone gives his or her heart to Jesus. And Jesus tells us three stories to illustrate this. He tells a story about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. Look those up in, the, in your Bibles. But Luke 15, 10 says that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. The same level as creation and the birth of Jesus. And then when one person gives their life to Jesus, they're like, oh, break out the champagne. We're doing it again, right? Time for another party. The fourth thing is the church. The angels rejoice over the church. Specifically, we are told in, in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, that when the entire church gathers before Jesus in the kingdom of God, this is what will happen. John writes, he gets this vision of the kingdom in Revelation 7. I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. 
from people from every nation and every tribe and every people and every language. And they were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then we read all the angels, not most of them, all the angels, a hundred million plus, were standing around the throne and they were also praising God, worshiping God. The angels celebrate the gathered church. Right? And then lastly, the fifth thing, the angels celebrate the return. They will, they will celebrate the return of Jesus, the return of the king. When he comes to defeat his enemies on earth and establish his kingdom in all of its glory. Revelation 19, we read, I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb. Jesus has come and his bride has made herself ready. When Jesus comes and he's seated on his throne in all of his glory and everything is restored, the angels will rejoice and will be rejoicing with them. Five things, creation, incarnation, salvation, the church, and the return of Christ. And can you believe that these things are on the same level? Especially your decision to follow Jesus is celebrated at the same level. When I turned 40... There were like 30, 40 people at my party singing happy, singing happy birthday, and I thought that was pretty awesome, right? But on my spiritual birthday, the day that I was born again in Christ, just me, just, just one guy, I had 100,000, I mean 100 million angels erupting with joy and singing songs of praise. How awesome is that, right? So I want to tell you, man, God really, 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 really loves you. And he sent Jesus to bring you into his family. And he established the church to join him in doing that. And our job is to give our community a picture of what the kingdom of God is going to look like. That's what we're all about. We're a multicultural family of people from all backgrounds. But we are all experiencing, to different degrees, the love of Jesus. And some of us here are just beginning to discover what that means. Some of us have made a decision to trust in Jesus and we are actively seeking his will for our lives. And still others have been following Jesus for many years and have dedicated their lives to helping others grow in their faith. But all of us, all of us, no matter where we're at in our journey, we're all discovering new things about Jesus all the time. And we're all on a journey together. Now, some of the ways that we accomplish that, uh, we, I, I mentioned we run with Team World Vision to provide clean water. Why do we do that? Because in the kingdom of God, there will be no thirst and no poverty, right? So you see what we're trying to do? We're trying to show people what the kingdom of God is going to look like. We work with Family Promise. We host homeless families on our, pro uh, on our property here for a week at a time, and we help them find housing. Why do we do that? I think you know the answer, right? Angel Tree, caring for kids whose parents are in prison. We send people down to Mexico. We built a, uh, we're helping to build a new sanctuary in a church down there. We, we take care of orphans. We, we support uh, an orphanage down there. We support our local police, fire departments, and schools. We have a couple of amazing preschools that we operate. Uh, the one on this campus, Monterey Park Christian School, is at full capacity. There's a waiting list. Uh, we have programs for kids and youth and young adults and families and seniors and men and women. 
We have services in English and Chinese and Spanish, Filipino. Why do we do all that? I think you know. So how do you, if you're a guest with us today, how do you plug into that community? Number one, fill out that connection card that we talked about. We'll follow up with you. Um, secondly, take a, visit all of our booths today and take your time. And there'll be some sign-up sheets there. You might find something that you're like, you know, I'd like to sign up for that. Go ahead and put your name down. Put your contact information down. And I do want to let you know that um, today we are launching a new website. The former one was called Trinity Church MP, which stands for Monterey Park. But over the last several months, we've been working on a new website, which also, will include, which also includes our new campus. And the name of our website now is onetrinitychurch.org. Okay, .org. Onetrinitychurch.org. So pull out your phone later today. Check it out. You'll see information for both of our campuses there, all our events. Um, and, uh, and I want to show you a, just a two-minute video, and this is how we'll close a two-minute video that um, shows some of the life on our, in our church, okay? Um, so if we could turn the lights out uh, at the back there. Carlos, would you mind? And here we go. This is a little snapshot of our church. You see, the gospel is not simply that Jesus promises us life after death. The gospel is that Jesus promises us life before death. joy that is deeper and it, it's not a feeling it, it's, it's more of a place where you live an identity that place that joy that no circumstance and no person can ever take away I want to ask you when you leave this place today what are you taking back into the world If you are the kind of person who is open-minded, uh, if you're interested in things of a spiritual nature, if you like what you heard about Jesus and his kingdom, and you would like to know more, then we invite you to come back next week. Uh, start a journey with us. Uh, Jesus says, if you want to see the kingdom, you need to be open to change. You have to become like a child. Start over. And so we are looking for some open-minded people. And I just thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, we are going to now close uh, with communion, and then we're going to sing one final song. This is the first Sunday of the month, 
And uh, we, every, uh, uh, every first Sunday, we partake in what's called the Lord's Supper together. This is where we take uh, some bread and some juice, and this represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And he told his followers to partake of this meal often because, remember, the kingdom of God is like a what? It's like a party, right? It's like this great banquet. And so we do this because we keep anticipating and looking forward to the fullness of that kingdom. And Jesus says that everybody is welcome at his table. Now, what we do here, people ate with Jesus before they really understood who he was. He would even, even Judas, who betrayed him, got to sit at his table at that last supper that he had. And so what we do is we invite anyone, if anyone who's a seeker, anyone who is interested in knowing more, to come and partake of this with us um, and uh, partake of the bread. Now, if you are someone who has put your trust in Jesus and you call him Lord and Savior, then we also invite you to take that bread and dip it in the juice. And that will be a symbol of your faith. But everyone is welcome to come and partake of the bread. And that symbolizes our hunger for to know more of who God is. So with that, I'd like to ask the, uh, our, my helpers to come forward. We'll have a couple of stations around the sanctuary, and I'll just pray over these elements. Lord, we thank you for your kingdom ushered in by your son, Jesus, who is the king. And Lord, we look forward to a day when all things will be restored. But today, we're going to start with us. You're making all things new, beginning with us. And this is what it means to put our faith in you, is to say, Lord, I need a Savior. I can't keep going the way that I've been going. I need you, Lord, and I'm going to follow you. I want to be part of your kingdom. I acknowledge you as my king. And you ask us to partake in this meal to remind us of who you are. You died on the cross for our sins. You rose from the grave because death could not hold you because you had no sin. And you invite us to new life with you. Bless these elements and our, our meal together. We're going to share a meal outside afterwards. And this is the appetizer. It's the beginning of a, of a love feast that we're having today. And so we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.